0: How many of you guys are excited to learn about sharing your faith? I right. <laughs> Taylor Carrillo. yeah, buddy. Good to see you, man. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here. So anyway, how many of you think when you think of sharing your faith, you think, Gosh, I am a champ, man. I am so good at that. I don't. I will be honest and vulnerable as we start off today. I flat out disobeyed God this weekend in Silverton. It was crazy. I knew God was telling me to share with this cake. Over and over and over and over and over. And I kept rationalizing in my head, thinking we're on a family day out. We have not had a weekend off in six weeks. We need this time as a family. And part of that's true. We need to protect that time as a family, you know? But what how long does it take to even say a couple sentences to this guy, right? And I knew and I knew and I knew God was leading me to share with him. And I and I didn't. I just kept rationalizing, thinking, We're eating funnel cakes drinking coffee and going on the trail up in Silverton, hiking in the fall colors. And uh, thank God God is full of mercy and grace. And thank God that kid's eternity uh, is still in God's hands. And hopefully put somebody in that kid's path that can share with them, right? And so as we start today, I'm not preaching at you guys, saying, You better get this down or you're you're stupid. But I'm saying we all need to hear this over and over and over again. So I'm right there with you. And with that in mind, if Christ isn't on the throne, we're dead right? If Christ isn't on the throne, this is never going to happen. We're never going to be the light that he's called us to be in this world. So we're going to start. We have a lot to cover. I'm going to try and keep it in the right time frame, but it'll be kind of fast, so bear with me. And it'll be good, though. And we'll, we'll have a great time. And who's on the throne? Let's just start by by asking that question. Who's on the throne today, Brandon? Let's ask. Let's ask. Let's ask Christ to be on the throne. Good point, man. I'm pretty, pretty pumped I'm on an emotional high because this insurance company just after 16 weeks decided to give in. That's cool. And some of you might be on an emotional low. Neither of those two things has any connection whatsoever to where Christ is on the throne. <laughs> uh, that's simply an act of the will right now as we choose to ask him to be on the throne and fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can learn what he wants us to learn and so that we can be the light to this campus that he wants us to be. So no matter where you're coming from, Let's just pray Anna and ask him to take control right
1: now. You want to do that, Ryan? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Father God, I just thank you for this time to just be in this class, God, and just to learn some uh, applications of your word, God. I just ask that you would just fill us with the Holy Spirit, God, and that we would just uh, give up control or just lay down any burdens, God. I just ask that, uh, that you just fill us and that we live in uh, fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Hey, okay, how many of you guys saw the Broncos game? Okay. How many of you cried? Yeah. Are you guys Broncos fans? Yeah. I didn't yeah. cry. I listened to it, I didn't see it. <laughs> Kate Manning oh, yeah. is so good. Now that makes sense. Here's a question: How many of you are big football fans? Ashley <laughs> <laughs> is a, a huge football fan. It's going to say Super Bowl fan because I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl next. Well, you could be the first woman in the Super Bowl, that would be huge. So let's just ask a question to all of you guys, because you never know. What would you do to be on next year's or this year's winning football team for the Super Bowl? That'd be kind of exciting. Would you? Yeah. What would you be willing to
1: do in terms of the sport that I play? Uh Then I would do quite a bit. Whatever it takes, right? Pretty much. I don't know whatever it takes, (laughs) but you know, you gotta be kidding. Depends on the situation. I say that now, I don't know. Let's, I mean, let's like up the, the ante
0: a little bit. Let's say you could be the MVP of the Super Bowl. There. That'd be pretty cool, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> it might take getting off your couch. It might take some practice. It might take not eating so much junk food. It might take spending six months with a smelly, stinky, rude roommate. All right. It could take a lot of different unpleasant things to get to that point of winning the Super Bowl and actually being successful at the Super Bowl and winning it, right? Mm-hmm. But it would probably be worth it. All that hard work would pay off. And if you don't like football, whatever, rock climbing, maybe you think of it in terms of being the best rock climber in the world. Now, I think, guys, we stand on the brink of something greater than any Super Bowl that's ever been played. And that is the entire world hearing the good news. For the first time in the history of the world, that's possible. You understand that? When Paul was alive... It was not physically possible to reach the whole world. When Jesus was alive, that wasn't possible. A thousand years ago, that wasn't possible. A hundred years ago, it was not possible to physically reach the whole world. Transportation, communication, multimedia, cell phones, the it internet.
1: Was, it was possible, it just wasn't
0: easy. Well, It wasn't it was possible, possible yeah. as it is today. It, yeah. yeah. it. As it is today, though, we could see this happen. Now get this, every single day, guys, 260,000 people are going to hear the good news. Today, 260,000 people are going to hear about Jesus. Every single day, 174,000 people are putting their trust in Christ. That's exciting. That's exciting. That's happening every day. You've heard that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world and things like that. That's not true. Islam is growing by about 69,000 people a day according to birth rates. Christianity is growing by double that, guys. More than double and it's through conversions. It's through people actually making decisions to put their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. right? And so I want to say that we stand on the brink of the greatest event in the history of the world. It's what all of, crea- from creation till now, all of history has led to this very point of seeing the world one to Jesus Christ. Great things are going to happen in our generation. I believe the greatest revival in history will happen in our generation because people are hungry for Jesus, and we'll hear more about that in a minute. If you are interested in in seeing some awesome, awesome, awesome uh, stories and and reading about what God's doing around the world, go to greatcommission2020.com. It's on your notes, I think. If not, you can ask me later. Or godrev.com. Both of those are live and interactive maps of what God is doing around the world. And you'll actually get to see live decisions for Christ on a 10-20 second interval. People around the world trusting Christ. It'll give you a little bit of perspective on what God's doing around the world. But what I want to say is, just like that Super Bowl would be worth a little bit of investment, a little bit of time, a little bit of uh, uncomfortable situations, a little bit of training, a little bit of pushing yourself, it's the same thing with evangelism. We're each going to have to take some steps in our personal lives to grow, to develop, to become who God wants us to be. There are going to be things that we need to sacrifice. There are going to be habits and attitudes there are going to be issues that really are preventing us from being the light that God told called us to be, and those are going to need to go by the wayside. But it's okay, because God's working in us. I'm not going to sit here and preach at you, but I'm just going to tell you that you get to be a part of this great victory. You get to be a part of something greater than any Super Bowl that's ever been played. You and Jesus. Jesus is the quarterback. Eric is out there waiting for the touchdown pass from the quarterback himself. It's kind of exciting. Acts 17:26 through 27 says that he's put you where he put you at this very time so that men would seek God and find him. Right? So you are not at Fort Lewis as an accident. Shelby, you didn't just come here because you didn't make it into Harvard. Okay, I don't even know if you applied to Harvard. But you didn't. Okay. I mean, most of you guys have, right? No, just kidding. Fort Lewis is the only school i ever applied to. And luckily, thank God I got accepted here. But anyway, you're not here on accident. Leah came here thinking she was here on accident. She wasn't on accident. God had chosen for her to be here so that people on this campus would seek him and find him. Isn't that exciting? That's where we're all at. The harder the desert, the thirstier people will be. Does that make sense? Okay, when, when you look around you and you see drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and, and loneliness and depression and drug abuse and the whole party scene... And friends going in every which direction, sexual experimentation, you name it, you see all these things. It's easy as Christians to say, oh, that means they're not interested in Jesus. You couldn't be further from the truth, right? Matthew 9 37, Jesus says, the harvest is right, but the workers are few. So the problem isn't with the harvest, it's not with the people out there. The problem's right here, right? The workers are what's few. It's not the harvest that's, that's lacking, it's people that are going to take the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit that aren't doing it. That's the problem. That's where we're lacking. So the hotter the desert, the thirstier people are going to be. The further people run in all those other areas, the less satisfied they become and the more empty they become and the more open to Jesus they become. We spoke this week, guys, after that seeker Connect. How many of you guys enjoyed that? Gosh, it was so cool. I had people coming up to me saying, I want what I saw in Brandon's eyes. Okay? I want what I saw in Brandon's eyes. I had somebody come up and say, what Malcolm said... He said, I didn't even plan to come back. I didn't even plan to stay the whole night. I just thought, free pizza. I'll come grab some pizza and sneak out. Because I heard what Malcolm said. I can't quit thinking about that. He said, I've been thinking about it for two hey, days. I don't know who this is. Yeah. Okay, keep it quiet, because we're on. Yeah. <laughs> we're recording it. But, but that guy Facebooked me this morning and said he put his trust in Jesus Christ. Okay? He didn't even plan to stay. Guys, people are hungry. I, he was mad at Christians at first. Right? He was mad. He wasn't going because he was thinking, I am so interested. But he heard about Jesus, and Jesus connected with him. Okay, And he can do that with every single person out here. So, people are hungry, and when we see all this craziness, we need to quit thinking, oh, they're not interested. We need to think, that's evidence they're interested. They're, they're running hard at something, and they're, they're going to fall flat until they find Jesus. Right. So we need to start giving some spiritual waters. They're thirsty, the desert's hot, and we need to stop thinking... Nobody's drinking any water around here, so they must not be thirsty, right? We need to say, gosh, I have some spiritual water. Remember Jesus? you come to me, you'll never be thirsty again. Remember? If you believe me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. We need to start hooking up some living water, right? There are people that desperately need Jesus, and he chose to use us. Okay, here's God's heart, because when we start talking, this can't be theoretical, but we need to remember God's heart, okay, guys? 1 Timothy 2.4 says that God wants every single person to be saved. Come to the retreat this weekend. We're going to be talking about heaven, hell, and purgatory. It'll, it'll make sense when you get there. It's kind of fun. But anyway, it's going to be a phenomenal retreat on what the Bible has to say about each of those issues. And it will blow your socks off. I am so excited. But God's heart is that no one would go to hell. I had somebody last week say, the problem I have with Christianity is that I hate hell. And I said, you know what? I do too. That's why I'm in this profession. (laughs) That's why I do what I do. And I said, frankly, God hates it too. That's why I sent Jesus to this planet. Hell sucks, okay? But God is good. And God loves people. And the Bible tells me he doesn't want any to perish. That's in 2 Peter 3.9. He wants every single one to be saved. That's his heart. Jesus promises in John 12.32-33 that he is going to be drawing every single person to himself. So you can take by faith every person you come across... Every single day of the week, God is working on their heart. I can just take it by faith. I don't have to hope that God would work on their heart. He already told me He is. I can believe that He is already working on their hearts. Bottom line. All right. I want to tell you about Jason. We were up in Denver a while back, and Aaron. I was trying to share the gospel with this business or with this uh, with this street person. I bought him lunch, and I was trying to share the gospel with him, going through this Knowing God Personally booklet that a lot of you guys have. And this guy's just being real belligerent and combative and not really wanting to talk at all. And while I'm out on this kind of balcony area with this guy, my wife, Aaron, is, is in the diner, just sitting there waiting and praying. And this businessman comes up and says, do you know what's going on out there? Because he thought maybe I was in trouble. And it looked like this homeless guy was harassing me. And Aaron says, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about him. So my husband's just trying to share the gospel with that guy. The guy says, what do you mean the gospel? This businessman in a suit and tie. And he goes, What do you mean, the gospel? And Anna says, Ah, oh, it's about, I mean, you, you know, how you can have forgiveness with God, how you can know Jesus personally. And the guy said, What do you mean? So she, she says, Well, wait, a minute? Let me show you this. She goes through the knowing God personally booklet with this guy, this businessman and on 16th Street Mall in Denver. The guy ends up receiving Christ, putting his trust in Christ, right there at the table over lunch while I'm out here arguing with a homeless guy. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think and argue. In, in a weird way. Doesn't he? Yeah. You think, in our natural way, thinking, wow, you know, this businessman, he looks pretty successful, he's probably got it all together. It's not the case, guys. He was searching. He was hungry. He was desperate. He needed Jesus. Maybe even he was more desperate than this homeless guy. Who knows? I guess only God knows. So anyway, we get to be part of this, guys. Each one of you guys are going to have stories like this, and much greater stories as you choose to let God use you. And that's what we're going to get to today. So, in Matthew 28, 18-20, it says, Go and make disciples. Jesus says, I should say, not it says. Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, whose responsibility is the Great Commission? What do you guys think? Shelby, got it! Mine! mine. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's the right answer. It's not ours, it's mine. It's my. I need to, I need to realize this issue is between me and Jesus. As my Lord, as my Savior, He said that if I follow Him, He'll make me fishers of men. This is between me and Him. This is my responsibility. Okay, Matthew 4.19. Did you get that? Matthew 4.19, there it is. Remember, guys, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So whose responsibility is it to be sharing their faith? What do you guys think? Josh? Yeah, Jake? responsibility? My responsibility. Mine! Yeah, it is mine again. Okay. 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul puts it this way. I don't know if you guys have all these verses there, but you should at the top, it, 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 the references at least. 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And that's the heart I want. I want to realize, gosh, it's not like I'm doing God a little favor when I preach the gospel. I want to be able to say, man, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. That's how I felt in Silverton last week, guys. When i rationalized and we're on a family day to day, I can't share with this guy. That's how I felt here. woe is me. But thank God he's so merciful, right? Thank God he's so merciful. Okay, Matthew 13, 1 through 9. And I'm just trying to lay a foundation with some of these verses for, for what it means to share your faith. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. We heard about this at ACC a few years. A guy was speaking, and he talks about the parable of the sowers. And he says, what kind, of a, what kind of a farmer throws seed on rocks, on the road, in thorns, and some on good soil? And we said, oh, I don't know. But nobody could come up with a good answer. He finally goes, the moron! <laughs> and I said, say, guess you're kind of right. You're right. He throws seed on rocks and in thorns, on a road. And he said, God didn't call you to be a soil specialist. He called you to be a seed checker. That quote stuck with us. God's not calling me to diagnose where every person around me is at. Is this guy hungry? Is he not? I don't know. He's just saying, share the good news and let the Holy Spirit work from there. I have no idea how God is going to work in people's hearts. And I just need to trust His Holy Spirit and do my part, which is to share. Right? If we don't see a lot of results, what's happened in America is we don't see a lot of results. Right? So what do we start to think? The method doesn't work. Isn't that true? start to say the method doesn't work. That's that couldn't be further from the truth. We're just not doing the method. <laughs> okay? You no. Know, it's two percent of Christians that share their faith. That's it. Two percent. And most of those, I would venture to say, are not very good witnesses. <laughs> They're not very, right. It's probably a pretty shabby performance. Not that this is a performance issue, but oftentimes it's somebody sharing their faith but barely getting across a, a statement that might relate to God, but not going through the full gospel in such a way that the person could make a response. Well, here's my thing,
1: Nate. Um, I mean, I think I brought this up the first time, too. we are really talking about sharing your faith and whatnot. Um, but you're saying that God will work within them. I, I strongly believe that as well. Uh-huh. I mean, you could be finding seeds and stuff, but what about following through for that person? Like, I have, I, I tend to sometimes have a hard time with like, it it obviously doesn't always go down this way, and I've done it too, and this is sort of what I've learned a little bit in these trips, like short-term mission trips in general, I find that a lot of times they're just self-edifying, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. because you're on a huge spiritual high, because all you're doing is sharing your faith, and you know, people are accepting Christ into their life, but... I mean, most of the time they'll go back to old patterns yeah. because they have nowhere to fall back on. So, like, I don't... I think it, it can't just stop at sharing your faith. They show it right on, man. Like, that, mm-hmm. that to me seems like it would be mediocre from our part. Remember the funnel
0: diagram, and we're going through this right now. At the top is meeting people. And then after meeting people, that was last week, it's online, you should check it out if you want not here. It's really good. After that, it's sharing the gospel with them. This week and next week, we'll be talking about sharing the gospel and going through some good tools so you never have to fear that again. So you'll be equipped to share your faith in any conversation, anytime, anywhere. After that, though, the very next thing that we're going to go through is how did you follow up with somebody? How did you follow up with somebody you've shared with that's not yet a Christian? How did you follow up with somebody that is a brand new Christian? Okay? So we'll be going through that in about two weeks from now. Right. So it'll be good, but you are so right on the money. Oftentimes, out of the people that do hear the gospel and do become Christians, they drop off because there's never follow-up, and that is probably the the second biggest problem. The lack of evangelism is probably the first biggest problem, right? And then the lack of follow-up is probably the second biggest the, problem. Like the
1: thing that happens is that I think a lot of times people get so focused on on sharing their faith, and that is important, you know. But like they get focused on that, and then. I guess it just gets overwhelming to be dealing with so many people. So a lot of times, you know, what i found is it's, it's good just to like attack and go straight forward to one person. Mm-hmm. So that we were talking about this the other day, so that you can create the disciples that you want to be creating, basically, so they can go on and do the same thing. So if you're, if I mean, I might be
0: totally off, but
1: i it's found that, I,
0: I don't know. It's like with so many things, it's not either or, but both and. It's not like I should neglect to share the good news so that I can follow up. I promise you, God is in charge of this. He's the one working in you to make you more like Christ. If you're sharing boldly every chance you get, and then taking every step and every bit of initiative you can to to follow up with those people, somehow, it works out. (laughs) I've tried to share my faith every day now for a long time, and I attempt to share it as often as I can. And I can tell you with confidence that I've never, gosh, somehow it just never doesn't work out to follow up with the people that trust Christ. Mm-hmm. It never does. People move away. We get them plugged in with other people, and this is the joy of the body of Christ. You're not alone. There are other people that can that you can follow up. In fact, this brand new guy that just trusted Christ this week, most likely, um, not, I, I don't know if I don't know if I'll be the one to follow up with him. Right? There are a lot of people here that are qualified to do that. Right? Some of you guys are. Right? This is the kid here, we just talked about. Yeah. And so oftentimes you don't just get backed up like that. So it'll make sense. But let's keep going here. If there are not a lot of results, the problem is not the people, but the problem is the lack of seed. If if I said, go plant these three seeds, shall we? Okay, how much of a harvest are you gonna get next fall? Three. three. Or maybe even more if they multiply, but not that many, right? You're not gonna get that many. You're not gonna get much at all. So if we're not seeing a lot of results, it's not that we should quit sowing seed, but it's that we need to quit sowing such a small amount of seed and start actually sowing more seed. In Romans 10.18, it talks about God's message going out into all the earth. I guess. That's what we want to see. I lived in Romania, and when the World Cup was happening back in 1994, I think it was, Romania was, was is that right? It was back in the 90s. Romania had to play the U.S. World <laughs> Cup, and I remember it said America gum. That was the headline on the newspaper. It meant America, we love you, but we have to beat you. <laughs> we have to win. <laughs> and I remember we were probably the only people in the entire city rooting for America. But when you when it, when Romania would score a goal in that match or any of the other matches they played, I lived on the fourth floor. You could hear the whole city go. <laughs> Yeah, and Tate rock. Do you
1: remember this? Well, I, I, I know, but you yeah, can remember. Yeah, is, I mean, when there's a soccer game on in in South America, the, sh- the city shut down. Yeah, not it's everything. Right the World Cup yeah. sucked here. it was yeah. horrible. It was horrible getting here, and not. Turning on the TV and not being able to watch that match. Yeah. But whereas in, in South America, I mean, dude, it's chilling, all, it runs it's everything. gone. Like work is off, school's off. You're going to watch. You're it. watching soccer, and as soon as you hear a goal, you don't have to be watching
0: the TV. Yeah. You can hear it from outside. this is like roaring. Here, you know? Take that picture, guys, all of you. And if you try to do this alone, you're dead in the water, right? It, imagine one guy is out there. Woo-hoo! Romania scored a goal. Okay, we were the only people rooting for America. <laughs> when America scored a goal, the city could not hear us. Okay? We were few and far between. But they sure could hear it when Romania scored a goal. And this is where it's time for the body of Christ to come together as one. To put aside our differences, to put aside our small denominational issues that distract us from the main goal of standing as one man for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1.27 Winning this world of Jesus Christ as a team. It's going to be a team effort that we have to do together. Now, I'm going to go through uh, a few different things here in a minute, but first of all, you guys each have a little checklist. Uh, So take a few seconds and check any statements that you think are most true about evangelism. And be real careful. I want to warn you, because I don't want you to feel bad. Just be real careful what you check. Okay, just glance over those and see. And nobody will see what you check, so you won't feel embarrassed if you check something. You shouldn't. This is like a little self perspective check. A lot of those are things you've probably heard as you've done your little Christian walk, well, I don't mean live on in a bad way, as you've done your walk and done the church thing, you might have heard some of those. But as you look at those, I want to start going through these, guys. Every one of those is a lot to one extent or another. I'm not saying they're all completely false. Some of them have aspects of the truth. But for the most part, they are not true. Now, here's an example that all dried out? Okay, why number one. Why number one is that you must have the gift of evangelism to give. Need the gift. Have you guys ever heard that? To give, you said? refer to the gift of salvation. Okay, you must have the gift of evangelism in order to share. <laughs> oh, it's <that's> true. It's okay, James. I must do what you checked. <laughs>
1: I, I think what, what the Bible knows about that is that there's certain people that have... To, the natural of like the natural gifting within them to share their faith and share it in a way that they will stick with others. Where everyone has that ability, like everyone can work on these different giftings. I think everyone has the ability to have those giftings, but for some people it might come a little more natural. Yeah. So you don't want to read into it that way, but in some ways you can say, I mean, the it's is for everyone, no doubt. Like you're sharing your faith. But I think it does come more naturally for some people. Remember, That's exactly right. Now,
0: here's the deal. Do some people have the gift of evangelism? Absolutely. Does everyone? Any of you? Barna says that 1% of Christians think they have the gift of evangelism. It's 1 in 100. Okay, now, if you're God, and you're thinking about who you're going to get in order to reach the whole world... With the way that they can be saved for eternity, you think you'd say, oh, I have one in a hundred Christians to do it. <laughs> no, that would be a bad mistake on God's part. Alright? Now here's the deal. What if you said, Eric, I really need some encouragement today, Kate? Right? And I said, Tough, luck, that's not my gift. <laughs> what would you say? He is a jerk, right? Now there are some people that are gonna have the gift of encouragement. Or what if, Taylor, you came to me and said, Oh my gosh, I haven't eaten for four days. And I'm really hungry and eating hamburger, but I'm broke. Could you hook it up? And I said, uh, sorry, that's not my gift. I don't have the gift of giving. So got to find somebody who has the gift of giving. Sorry, Taylor. All right? (laughs) You would probably punch me in the face. Or maybe not, because you're so kind. But anyway, the point is, is we would not say that about any other gift. But somehow people say it about evangelism. And it floats. I don't know why it floats. Some people are gifted. We're all called. I don't share because I'm gifted. I don't think I'm gifted as an evangelist. I'm just convinced that this is something that's super important for every person to hear. And I'm going to be obedient to the Great Commission. I'm going to be obedient to my Savior. Okay, Matthew 4.19, again, if you're a Christian, if you're following Christ, you're called to be a fisher of men. Jesus said it, not me. So, let's go for it. Line number two, get this, is that you validate the gospel. That your personality... I, I Validate. I can't even spell. Validate gospel. Okay, it's that... Your friendship, a lot of people might take this like be friends first, we'll get to that next, but your 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 kindness, your knowledge, your skills, how much you know about the Bible, all these things make the gospel relevant to somebody. That's not true. Okay? Jesus Himself validated the gospel two thousand years ago by coming and living as God in the flesh and dying on a cross for a sinful man, rising from the dead so that we too could have victory over death. That alone is what validates the gospel. That alone is what people need to hear. Christians often say, "I can't share because I'm not a good enough Christian." Well, that's the whole point of gospel, right? Isn't it? It's that you're not good enough and you need a savior. So that's a lie. That I validate the gospel. Lie number three is that you gotta be friends first. Okay. That does help, obviously. Hey, I'm not it's saying it really doesn't. I'm not you know. saying it doesn't. But I met one guy, the first day I met him, he said, I will kill myself tonight if you don't tell me how to have Christ in my life. <sighs> what do you think I told him? We've got to be friends first, right? Let's <laughs> 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 right. a few weeks hanging out, and then... No, I would encourage you to look in the Gospels. There, I cannot find one instance where anybody in the Gospels shared with somebody they were friends with first. Not one. I can't think of it. All the time, people are speaking flat out to people they've never met, Jesus included. A lot of people would phrase this, and I I I don't want to step on toes. And I love this ministry, and they're doing a lot of good, but they phrase it this way a lot, so I think the phrase is wrong, but I don't want to be critical of them. They say that you have to earn the right to be heard. Okay? Jesus did that. I don't earn that right. Jesus already did that. Scripture never tells me that I need to earn the right to be heard, right? Okay, that's actually line number four. I was getting ahead of myself. Line number four. Jesus earned the right to be heard. God in human flesh, Emmanuel, coming to live with us, to take on our sins and die, so that we could have a relationship with him. He earned it, right? He earned it. Every person deserves to hear that message in a way that they can respond to it. And nothing I can do would earn that right. They deserve that right, you know? They deserve for me to cross over my own awkwardness and share with them. All right, so line number four is that you earn the right to be heard. Now, I would paraphrase this this way. That's not completely false, right? If you want to invest in somebody's life, do everything you can to earn the right you know, do everything you can to build bridges and to connect with them. But don't make that something that has to happen before you'll share the good news. Right? If you had a treatment for cancer, and somebody was dying of cancer, would you ever say, I'm not going to share it with them unless, unless we're friends first. I mean, you're crying out loud. Okay, this is even more, guys. This is even more. This is all eternity. Okay. Oh, my gosh, guys. This isn't good. Lie number five. Hey, Josh! Okay, why? Number five is that it's predominantly the poor that need to hear the gospel.
1: I've
0: never that. <laughs> I'm just going to put poor right there, okay? That it's predominantly poor that need the gospel. Right? That's not true either, you guys. The rich are just as lost as the poor. Just remember the story about Lazarus, this rich man that went to hell. Okay? And it's easy, gosh, we should totally focus on the poor. We should not neglect them. But Bill Gates needs Jesus, right? Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, he needs Jesus. Right? And what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. He's really rich and he's younger than I am, but he's probably older than you guys. He's 26, has billions and millions. He needs Jesus just as much as any poor person on the street. Okay. line number six is God doesn't want us to offend anyone.
1: Don't offend
0: Okay, should I try to offend
1: people?
0: No. No. Now check out uh, this quote. It is from Gregory Koppel, Writing in Tactics. He says, Jesus' teaching made some people furious. Just make sure it's your ideas that offend and not you, that it's your beliefs that cause the dispute and not your behavior. Isn't that true? When, gosh, when a doctor says, you've got cancer and you don't have long to live, do you think many patients go, God, that was awesome news. right?' He's offending somebody. But he's doing it because he's going to give them a treatment, hopefully that can save their life. And we have got to be okay with people being offended. Jesus said if we loved him, they they would hate us. That was a promise from Jesus himself. He didn't say try to make sure the world likes you. In fact, he said he said beware when all men speak good of you, right? So this is something that we need to we need to be okay with. Jesus said if you desire to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. And Jesus didn't say that. it. Says that in 1 Timothy. One of my friends actually said, he used
1: to be a youth leader, whatever he was back to the spring. he was like, some of the parents in, in, our, in our camp, they got a little offended after the fact, and we were debriefing on it and whatnot. We really hadn't done anything necessarily wrong. It was just all out of our hearts toward God, I guess. But some of the stuff, it kind of like offended them, I guess. And he, me, he was like, You know, Josh, if I haven't offended anyone, if there's absolutely no one that's been offended, then I know that I did my job wrong. That's exactly You're right. So, excuse
0: me. <laughs> I'm not saying to out and try to and offend people. I just burped. In case it was awesome. But awesome. Every time I burp around Eliana, she goes, Yeah, yeah, burp. I <laughs> she'll go, More burp, more burp. <laughs> Or dead dead burp. It's pretty funny, I think. Anyway, it's great. But line number seven, guys, is that methods are what produce results. Gosh, if you can find a better way to share the gospel, do it. There's a great tool we'll talk about next week called the Solarium. It's phenomenal. It's awesome. And we'll be doing it every week on campus so you can get a chance to do it. I'm going to kind of hit this stuff real fast right now because we're running out of time. Uh, but methods are not what produce results, guys. Jesus produces results. As I chuck that seed, Matthew 13, He is going to bring the fruit. It says that in First Corinthians 2, in chapter 3, it says that it's not the waterer or the sower, but it's God that brings the fruit. Okay, so He's the one that produces. I just need to be obedient. That's all. I need to just be obedient. I don't need to just try new and different ways. I need to be obedient, but also be open to new and different ways. Right. Line number is Saint Francis of Assisi, and he said, "Finish the quote if you've heard it. Preach always, but."
2: Words huge words
0: if necessary we thought on this at a big concert with some huge musicians this summer and I talked about this thing a lot and that night the I'm not going to say his name the biggest musician of the evening out of lots of big musicians this guy is huge in the Christian world he closes his whole thing out by saying just know like Preach always and use words if necessary. <laughs> and I want to write this guy and say, I love you, bro, but you, you're not. You're believing a lie, and you're giving a lot of Christians an excuse to not share their faith. Can you explain that a little bit? I will. Here's the deal. First of all, it's a misquote. St. Francis of Assisi never said that. People have attributed it to him, and it sounds nice, so people keep repeating. He never wrote that, and nobody will say that he did. Nobody that knows will say that he did. It's kind of like they've pieced together a bunch of his sayings into that little catchy saying. But here's the deal, they are good Muslims, they are very good atheists, they are very good non-Christians, I know some of them, that would probably put a lot of us to shame as far as what they do for other people, how much money they give, how kind they are, I have relatives that are this way, I have people that I know that are this way, I've traveled in a lot of countries, I've lived in a lot of countries, I know people all over this world that are extremely good people that don't know Jesus, and their lives alone are not preaching the gospel. They're just saying it's possible for people to be good. And when we try to be as good as we can to people, as kind, as hospitable, as generous, that's all good. That's still, though, not telling them how they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they need to hear that, right? They desperately need to hear that. And so I need to share that with them. All right. methods, St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. Line number nine. I was kind of wondering where we were at here. Uh, but words are necessary. Check this out. Romans 10, 13-14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Okay? So when we talk about preaching, it involves sharing in a way that they can hear, so that they can believe, so that they can be saved. That's right from Scripture, guys. Romans 10. Alright, line number nine is that older people are stuck in their ways and won't trust Christ. That is not true. Old people have lived long enough to have failed relationships, failed investments, failed dreams. A lot of them had big expectations for what was going to happen with their lives. I talk to students all the time. What are you going to do with your life? Oh, man, God has big plans for me. Who doesn't think that? I'm not discouraging those. If you think that, praise God and run for those plans and pursue God first and let him develop that in you. But a lot of people start out with that concept. And a whole lot of people end up with nothing. And they're looking back going, man, all those dreams I had didn't really pan out, you know? And I'm divorced, and my kids don't like me, and <laughs> I just lost all my retirement money in this stock market crash. I'm desperate. A lot of people are there. A lot of old people are there. So be ready to share with old people. All right? Okay, everybody's hungry. God's working in their heart, regardless of their age. Lie number 10 is that most people aren't interested in spiritual issues or hearing the gospel. Paul said, remember in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's just the power of God unto salvation. Right? Jesus said that he is drawing every man to himself. Jesus said the harvest is right. I cannot believe the lie that people aren't interested. I need to believe the truth that God's already working on their heart and they are interested. I just need to take this step and share with them. All right, so going into the training, that's the foundation. The next the next 15 minutes, the next 20, I might go five late. Uh, the next... The next few minutes, we're going to go over some basic training, and next week, we're going to go into more basic training. That was just kind of like the foundation from Scripture, and there is so much more. I would encourage you to go and look it all up. There's a lot more about why to share our faith. But here is the training
1: for that. Yeah, Josh? You real quick, going back to the preach, always use words as necessary. Is that by, by saying, you know, lead by example, and then and don't speak words?
0: Like, I didn't pick up on I that. think the way most Christians try to phrase that, is like this. As long as you're living a good life, people are going to naturally want to hear what you have to say. So just live a good life and wait for somebody to bring it up. Oh, shoot. Somebody might just think 20 years from now, you're a real good guy. right? The Mormons are like that. Who was on our raft trip at Crush Beer? Were you? No, you weren't. You were on a different one. And Crush Beer, it's this project we do in the summers, we're floating down the animus in our raft. And our raft guy. he notices everybody in the raft is pretty nice. Because right, they have the fruit of the Spirit coming through them. Thank God that day nobody's cussing our guide out or anything like that. Right? The fruit of the Spirit's flowing. This guy's pretty amazed. He looks at us and he goes, just out of curiosity, are you guys Mormons? I said, no. Why would you say that? He says, because you guys are really nice. Every Mormon I've ever met is really nice. So I figured you guys must be Mormons. <laughs> okay? <laughs> well, we weren't Mormons, right? There are a lot of nice people out there. But not all of them are sharing the good news. People can't believe in whom they've not heard. They can't hear if nobody's preached to them. I gotta live it, and I gotta share it too. So I'm not saying don't live it, but I am saying share it also. So why number no, nine? Why number nine was that old people are not interested. Okay. And line number ten was that most people are not interested. Most people are interested. I think. If, if you're confident in your own presentation of sharing Christ, and I'm just saying this is a side issue, the more comfortable you are talking about Jesus inside you, gosh, the more they're going to be ready to hear. And we'll actually talk about that a little bit more next week before getting them trained too. Okay, so here are three different modes of evangelism, guys. And this we kind of touched on this last week. It's from some typical crusade training. One is the natural evangelism mode. It's basically sharing with your friends. That's great. Sharing with somebody in your sphere of influence. That's wonderful. We should all be doing that. I'm not ever going to criticize the idea of sharing with your friends. I think we should. I would say, though, it's probably the hardest group of people to share with. Wouldn't you? Closer to your heart, it can be kind of awkward. Not to say you shouldn't do it. The next one is body evangelism. Okay, that's the next mode. Body evangelism. That means bringing somebody to where they can observe and see the body of Christ functioning as the body of Christ. That's the retreat this weekend. Bring a non-Christian friend to a retreat. Okay? They will not get weirded up. We always say you can get away with murder at a retreat. All right? People are so blown out of the water by seeing what they see at retreats, their guards are completely let down by the second night. They, they can't believe you people actually love each other. They can't believe you guys actually like hanging out. They can't believe Brandon is having more fun than I've ever seen somebody have and he's not drunk or smoking pot. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> we have people constantly say to us, that's the most fun I ever had, and I wasn't even drunk. And I think they probably all think that they're the first person that ever said that. They don't know that this is like a fairly typical response <laughs> for somebody new coming to a retreat. They cannot believe how much fun they have. And all along, what are they seeing? Through to the Spirit. They're seeing Jesus and Eric <coughs> living his life through Eric, and they can't handle it. They are so drawn to that. We've had atheists come to retreats, and they're just like, Shh, this is the greatest thing ever. Okay, So that's the body witness. It's allowing people just to come and see Jesus Christ in the body. right? That's a good thing. What happens when the body's not a good witness? They call us hypocrites. That's a bad thing. Right? So as the body of believers, we should live is a good example. Now the third type of mode is the one we hate most. It's called the ministry evangelism mode. It's actually going out and sharing your faith, taking the initiative to engage people that don't, have any kind of connection with you, start a conversation that might be awkward, and then share Christ with them. It can be kind of weird, but you know what? It's what happens most often in Scripture, and it's the only way we're ever going to reach the world for Christ. How long would it take you to befriend the whole campus? Not going to happen. I have yet to meet a student that befriended, and we have a small school. How long would it take you to befriend the whole world? Not going to happen. But we can share with people when we come into contact with them. It wouldn't be impossible for us to reach the whole campus for Christ by taking the initiative to share, even with people we don't
2: know. Can I, add something? Uh-huh. Um, I actually like some uh, close friends from college are friends of mine now because I started out by sharing the gospel with them, like in my classrooms and everything. So, and and it's really, what's even better is that even though like they're my friends, they know that if like, even though I've shared the gospel with them and I continue to, like, engage them in spiritual conversation, they also approach me when they're having questions. So, thinking that you have to be friends first is like, not I, don't know, I I just don't see it as often. But you can get friends by sharing the gospel with people, which I think is even cooler.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I have yet to have somebody get mad at me and not want to be friends because I share Christ with them. And if they did say that, that would be a pretty immature thing to say. But I've shared Christ out of the blue with people I've never met before, time and time and time again, and almost always those people end up becoming good friends. Whether or not they trust Christ, it's not awkward. I need to put believing this lie that, man, if I talk about Jesus, that'll make things weird. <laughs> it's like, no. How many other people are offering what Jesus offers? No one. No one. How many other people are taking the time to talk to somebody and share a life with them, share living water with them? Not many people. It's not going to destroy relationships, it'll actually build them. Okay, now, those are the three modes, and, and I think those are helpful for each of us to understand. Now here are the four sound barriers. you guys ever heard this term? Some of you have. Four sound barriers. Number one is meeting someone and getting into a conversation, sound barrier one. So I'm going to put up modes, and we have the natural, that's like friendship evangelism, we have the body. Bringing somebody to a retreat, to church, etc. And then we have a ministry. initiative. Okay. And then over here we have four sound barriers. Number one is meet and talk. Okay. That was last week, right? We talked about that last week. We said we'd go further this week, so I'm glad. But anyway, if you want to know how to meet somebody new and how to get into a conversation, Go online and you can watch the video, listen to the mp3, or see the notes. They're all up online. as will this be in next week. We're going to put all these there, just so they're a resource in the future. Um, but anyway, that's the first one. Meet somebody and get into a conversation. Right? You're talking about, say, sports. Okay, number two is transition to a spiritual topic. Or conversation. Okay, let's say we're talking about baseball. I always share this. I say, gosh, yeah, I'm a Cardinal fan. Most of you guys know that. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. I love Albert Pujols. He's amazing. Don't you think? And then I say, you know, but I like a couple things about him. Not just how good he is on the field, but I also really appreciate how strong he is in his faith. Right? What about you? Are you religious or anything like that? Is that awkward? If I said that to somebody when we're talking about baseball, you think they'd say, you stupid jerk Christian. I'm going to say that, right? That's a pretty pretty natural transition into a spiritual conversation. All right? From there, we're going to go from spiritual to, we're going to say transition, to gospel. Okay? We're going to transition to the gospel. Okay, oh, you are religious. Well, what's been your background with Christianity? Boom. We just went from spiritual to the gospel. My background with Christianity, I grew up in church, but I saw a lot of bad examples, a lot of hypocrites. I hate it. Okay, now we're talking about Christianity. Huh. I don't know why that's fine. Anyway, and then the fourth is sharing the gospel with them. We're going to give you a couple tools right here before we go. And then after sharing the gospel, I want to give them opportunity to respond. Okay? Okay? I can't just share the gospel and leave it there. Right? I have to say, Jake, what are you going to do about what Jesus said? How are you going to respond to what Jesus said? Until I do that, the gospel hasn't fully been shared with that person. They don't know. I need to make a decision about what Christ claimed. Right? So now here are some concepts for how you could share. Use tools. Tools are going to get you through these four sound barriers pretty easily. And they're going to do it in a way... That is not awkward. Sometimes going through those four things can be weird on your own. But it doesn't have to be that way. Now, here's an example. Okay? You guys each have that survey. Check it out. You see it? In front of you. Hey, ask a few questions, right? This is an example of a ministry tool that we can use on campus. And in fact, we probably met some of you guys using this tool, right? Who did we meet here? Jake? I know somebody met you using that survey. You, you guys, maybe? Josh? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, Josh, you yeah. did it. Yeah. Okay, this survey is just a simple way of walking up to somebody and saying, Hey, my name is Nate. I'm doing some surveys. You got a few minutes? Okay, what just happened? Meet someone and I'm talking. Sound barrier number one is gone. Okay, what's the next one there? What's been your background, or what, what is your current level of spiritual interest? One to ten. Oh, transition to a spiritual conversation. the so next question. That's been your background with Christianity. Gosh, transition to number three. Isn't that cool? Now I'm in a spiritual conversation with this person. And then, would you like to get together again sometime in the future and talk more about this? Okay, that's the left it on. Would you like to get together and talk more about this <coughs> in the future? Right? Some, some of those people say yes. And then I can share the gospel better and actually give them an opportunity to respond. Did you see how using that tool just made this whole process pretty simple? Made it not very awkward? There are other tools. I wanted to show you a picture of that survey because it's one good tool. Now, what if you didn't feel super comfortable sharing the gospel, but you got to that point, maybe through a survey or some other way, and you thought, I need a better tool for sharing my faith. How can I actually go through the gospel in such a way that it would make sense and I wouldn't forget anything and I wouldn't lose my mind in the process. And i could actually really convey what Scripture says somebody needs to do to be saved. If somebody asked you right now, what do you have to do to be a Christian? Could you just whip off all the verses? Maybe some of you could, and maybe some of you couldn't. I would venture to say probably 90-plus percent of Christians could not do that. That's sad. I mean, the, the key to salvation for everyone that believes, and we can't even tell somebody how to get there. Well, if you're there... Or if you're not, either way, this tool will help you. It'll help you go through the gospel in a non-awkward way. This little tool that we call the Knowing God Personally booklet it's not designed just to hand out like a street preacher handing out tracts. That's not what this is for. It's a conversational tool where you sit down and go through it one-on-one with somebody. It's really awesome. Okay? And I've never had people get too weirded out by it. One student put it this way. She said, these little books that you're looking at that No God personally booklets? She says, little books scare me. But I wonder, she posted this on Facebook after somebody shared this with her. Little books scare me. I wonder if the little book had a point to it. If it did, why haven't I followed Jesus sooner? Frankly, the thought is terrifying. I wonder what family and friends would say, but I'm still in the midst of a decision. I need support, and I am frightened to tell so many of my friends what I am thinking about Jesus and God. I fear their ridicule. I know they can be cruel, but I'm searching my already tortured soul for an answer. I don't want to hurt anymore. Isn't that phenomenal? Okay, so maybe there was a little awkwardness with using this book. But it conveyed to this woman the truth of the gospel and how to have a relationship with Christ. And she ended up trusting Christ, okay? And so many others have too. And if they don't write, then you can hand it to them. And later on, they might in their room. Or they might share it with a friend. We actually had a story of a non-Christian... That heard the four or the no God personally but said that's not for me. And Russ shared with him. Russ is going to be speaking tomorrow next so Yeah, she'd come. it will be cool. Russ shared it with him. The guy said not my thing. And Russ said, Well, do you have a junk drawer? And he said, Yeah. So just take it home and throw it in your junk drawer. That'll be good. And the guy said, Sure. He goes, Maybe later you'll want it. You know. So the guy took it home, threw it in his junk drawer, and he comes back the next day or maybe two days later. And he says, Rush Russ, Russ, remember that little book? me? say yeah because gosh well you know it's not for me but my roommate he's all depressed not himself and so I thought maybe it's for him so I kind of like went through that with him just like you did with me and he prayed that prayer at the end and thought you might want his name and number and all that sort of stuff and I was like yes I do give it to me so I mean this a non-Christian led, a Christian, or led somebody to Christ using this tool, so I'm sure you can, right? is that cool? So here are some key principles as you use this tool, and then I'm going to give you a website where you can learn how to use it and see a good example, and then we're going to call it good. Some key principles. Expose the gospel. Don't impose. Your, God, your job is not to shove it down somebody's throat. Your job is to be friendly, kind, and share this in a relational way. Okay, go in love and in the direction and power of the Holy Spirit. Consciously ask him to fill you before you go have this conversation. And then consciously be willing to share as he directs. Find our, And then make sure Christ's on throne. Yeah. Ask him to be leading and guiding you. And then we say this, first talk to God about people, and then talk to people about God. So pray. Does that make sense? It's called the divine order. I don't know who came up with that slogan. Pray and let God use you. You are called to present the gospel clearly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust God with the results. You guys, you're off the hook. You don't have to get a decision. You don't have to get a prayer. All you have to do is share. Success in evangelism is not conversions. That's not success. Success is obedience. If you're obedient, that's success. Right? Some people say, man, I've, I've been sharing. I haven't led anyone to Christ. That's between them and God. You know, God will get it. All God requires of you is to be faithful and to be obedient, to take the initiative to share, and then to trust the results to him. Okay, the Knowing God Personally booklet is a complete summary, and it shares the full gospel. Nothing gets left out. Everything somebody needs to know to trust Christ is there. It's a great conversation starter. You can easily say, have you ever seen the Know God Personally booklet? And most students are going to say, no, I haven't, actually. Okay, you mind if I show it to you real quick? Malcolm's no done that about a million times. Maybe not. You've done a lot, really. All right. They begin with a positive. The first principle there is that God loves you. That's huge, especially for somebody that's hurting and empty and searching and coming up empty to hear God loves you right where you're at. Last week, we had all these students from the gay and lesbian club come to connect. It was so cool. Okay. And Leah, you told one of them, do you know God loves you? And, and this lady said, I've heard that before and it's something to the effect that it really, like, got my attention, you know. This begins with a positive that people need to hear. It clear They clearly present how to receive Christ. They build your confidence, because Eric or Josh, one of you Josh's, as you're sharing, let's say Josh McDowell, as you're sharing the gospel, right, as you're sharing the no-God personally booklet, you, you're you not thinking, oh, am I going to forget something? You got it right there. You you have confidence. I know I can go through the whole gospel with this person, okay? Uh, You can show a person how how to receive Christ in a short period of time. This will take less than 10 minutes. If you go through this very well, it could take 10 plus or minus a few minutes. But you can accurately tell somebody how to have a relationship with God in a very quick time period. Here is my favorite Attribute of the no God personal booklet though. It's a transferable tool. Okay? Now here's what I mean by that. Let's say Taylor over here goes through the no God personal booklet with somebody. Hey, there he is, right there. <laughs> Okay. Well, let's say Brandon is watching Taylor. Okay? Brandon can quickly say, that was pretty simple. I could do that too. Right? It's a transferable tool. Brandon isn't sitting here thinking, oh. like let's say just Taylor just went through it on his own without this little booklet. And Brandon's sitting over here going, wish I could be like Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Just, maybe in 20 years I'll be like Taylor. Okay, Right? You guys ever felt yeah. that? Wish I could share my faith like that. This destroys that because it's a transferable tool. I feel super comfortable sharing my faith without the no God personally but I It is not a problem. I can do this anytime, anywhere. But 9 out of 10 times, I'm going to use that tool. Because I don't want any of you guys that happen to be watching me to think, I wish I could do that like me. <laughs> I want you guys to realize, I can do that too. Look at him, he's using that little booklet. I got that little booklet. I can do what he just did. Does that make sense? It's a transferable tool, and it creates multiplication in evangelism, right? The next generation gets to see how you did it, and then they can do it too. That's a cool, cool deal. All right, you guys should go watch the training video on how to use this tool. Jake, did you watch this? I think you watched it, right? No. I gave you the URL. It's on all your handouts. But there's a great ten minute example of Leo over here going through the four or going through the Know God personally booklet. I often refer to
2: calling it the four spiritual It's the Kind of older version of it. But Aaron, I was wondering, what has been your experience with Christianity?
3: Um, I've been to church a few times but it's never been a real part of my life.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I was wondering if you would like to know um, what the Bible says about how you can know God personally.
3: Yeah, I would love to.
2: Great. There's a little booklet called Would You Like to Know God Personally? So, this booklet contains a message of love and hope. An exciting adventure awaits all who discover these life-changing truths. The following four principles will help you discover how to know God personally and experience the abundant life you promised. God loves you and created you to know him personally He has a wonderful plan for your life In John 3.16 it says For God so loved the world That he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him shall not perish But have eternal life Have you ever heard that verse before? No, but it's very interesting So how do you feel about knowing how much God loves you?
3: It's just mind-blowing that God could love me that way
2: it is amazing, and not only does he love you personally, but he wants to offer you an abundant life. Uh, Jesus promises you in the book of John, and the abundant life is like leave, living your life above your circumstances. Also in John 17:3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Um, so what do you think prevents us from knowing God personally? I don't know. Well, it talks about that in the second principle. People are sinful and separated from God, so we cannot know him personally or experience his love and plan. So how would you define sin? Sin, let's see.
3: Sin would be any anything that's wrong, anything that hurts others or yourself. Hmm.
2: Okay. Well, here in Romans three twenty-three, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, um, sin is actually missing the mark because God is... And we are not perfect. You know, we, we don't match up to Him. So people were created to have fellowship with God. But because of our stubborn self-will, we chose to go our own independent way and fellowship with God was broken. The self-will, characterized by an attitude of active rebellion or passive indifference, is evidence of what the Bible calls sin. In Romans 6.23, it talks about um, how for the wages of sin is death. So um, death is, in this sense, is spiritual separation from god so why does sin separate us from spiritual separation from god so why does sin separate us from god do you think why does
3: sin separate us from god because he's perfect and we're not and we can't be with him if we're not perfect
2: right right so this diagram shows us the difference between us and god so here's us we're the people down here and then god who's holy is up here so what kind of things do you think we do uh to try to get to We go to church and we
3: give money Mm
2: -hmm. yeah that's right we do try to do a lot of things that you know try to get us to god but in the end they don't work it's like if everybody in all of humanity were to stand at new york and we're all going to try to swim to spain olympic swimmers could probably get it go pretty far but do you think they could swim all the way to spain no but it's the same thing with god we try we try to like swim across the atlantic to get to god but it's just it doesn't work so the third principle is that Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. Through him alone can we know God personally and experience God's love and plan. So why do you think Jesus had to die for our sin and not George Washington or Mother Teresa or anybody like that?
3: Well, if everyone falls short. Uh, like the glory of god then even they did too
2: and not only did he like live a perfect life but he lived a perfect life and he died in our place he took the place of our sin and then he rose again from the grave so, John 14:6 says, this is Jesus talking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, and this diagram shows us um, how Christ bridged the gap between us being sinful beings and God being absolutely holy. We must individually receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Then we can know God personally and experience His love and plan. In John 1.12, it says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Ephesians 2.8-9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Faith is just putting trust in God. That's what, that's mm-hmm. what faith is. And then grace is a gift. It's not okay. something we work for. What does Christ save us? from our sin. yeah exactly exactly um and so we receive christ by personal invitation this is jesus talking in revelation three twenty. here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me so have you ever heard him knocking
3: there's definitely been times where he's trying to get my attention
2: So how would you open the door and let Christ in? I don't know. All right, well, here it talks about how you can open the door and let Jesus in. Receiving Christ involves turning to God from self, which is called repentance, and trusting Christ to come into our lives to forgive us our sins and to make us what he wants us to be. Just to agree intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins is not enough nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. We must receive Jesus Christ by faith as an act of the will. These two circles represent two kinds of lives. Here's the first one. A life without Jesus Christ. This is what we call a little throne here and this is the life. And here um, self is on the throne. It's in control. Like Mm -hmm. the person is driving the car, so to speak. And Jesus is on the outside. And then on the right is a life entrusted to Christ. Christ isn't at the center, so he's at the you know the driver's seat. You're surrendering control to Christ so here are these two lives but one has Jesus and one doesn't and I mean, over here this guy who doesn't have Christ in his life could seem to have everything put together you know Mm -hmm. doing really well for themselves but there's an inner conflict going on with this person on the left he's not experiencing true peace Uh, there's a lack of unconditional love in his life he's heading towards an eternity separated from God whereas this person on the right with a life entrusted to Christ, they have life in heaven forever. So, which circle best represents your life? The one on the left. The one on the left? Well, which circle would you like to represent your life? Well, the one on the right. The one with God. Okay. The Pauline explains how you can receive Christ. Mm -hmm. So you can receive Christ right now by faith through prayer. And prayer is just talking to God, just having a conversation with him. So God knows your heart and he is not concerned with words as he is with the attitude of your heart. Um, Here's a suggestion for prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Does this prayer express the desire of your heart? Yeah, it does. Alright, you can do that right now by praying this prayer, or you can take this home and just think about it.
3: Um, I think I'm going to take this home and think about it, but this is definitely
2: something I want to do. Great, awesome. So I'm going to give this to you. Um, I'll write my number on the back, and if you have any questions whatsoever, just let me know. And I was wondering, can I get your number and everything so then uh, maybe we could get together for coffee next week yeah. and talk about all this again? And does too. It's
3: 970
2: 259 5532. Erin, I've really enjoyed talking to you today, and um, I'm excited for us to get together next week and talk more about this again. I can't wait to. Great. But anyway, guys, I would encourage you to apply
0: this this week. Uh, take, take this step to go through some of this. But you know what? Next week we're going to get down and dirty go through some more examples. And I hope that I can personally go out, or somebody in this room can personally go out with each of you and do this together (coughs) so that it's not just theory. Because I want to leave you with James 1.22. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. You guys remember? Deceiving yourselves. Okay, if I know what God's telling me to do and I don't apply it, the Bible says, I deceive myself. Okay? Now, here's the deal. If I know I'm supposed to tithe and I don't tithe, I end up believing I don't have the money to tithe, right? Do I? Yeah, God's gonna provide for all my needs. But if I'm not doing it, I deceive myself, start to believe God isn't providing. Isn't that true? Same thing with evangelism. If I know I'm supposed to share and I don't share, I start to believe lies like those ten we talked about. People around me don't want to hear. They're gonna think I'm crazy. I should just be a good Christian, okay? But as soon as you start applying these principles, you blow the roof off, guys. And you're going to grow in your walk with God like you never imagined in a million years. So let's just close it there and pray. I'll just pray this week. okay? God, we thank you so much that you've called us to be co-laborers with you and that you've given us a role to play in the greatest story and the greatest adventure in the history of the world. God, I thank you that you could have done this all on your own, but you chose to use us. What a privilege, God. I pray that we'd see evangelism as a privilege and as a joy, God, not as a, a burden. God, you say that your burdens are light. God, you say that that uh, that your commands are not burdensome. So I pray that we believe that and that we live that. God, make us so good at sharing with people what, how to have a relationship with you. We trust you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And as we're thinking about this, God, we thank you so much for what you've done in our lives and that you saved us from our sins and that you gave us eternal life in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.